Katie Armor raised the standard. Finally, AR500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight, feeling lighter, increases mobility, and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game-changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now, only at katiearmor.com, c-a-t-i-armor.com. Come and take it. In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. They are coming. Coming for us all. Unstoppable force of men forged into iron with their fires and machinery of war. Driven before them are those who betray everything beyond their greed, hate, and anger. Do you betray everything and decide to free your hide? Or will you take your best? and stand for the fight. Fight for your life, for what is dearest to you, for honor and death. Let your name be worthy of you. But remember, the war consumes us all. Land that called us ever homewards We will go home across the mountains We will go home, we will go home Shall I explain to you in one easy lesson how the world works? 
Use small words. I'm not as bright as you. The house that puts family first will always defeat the house that puts the whims and wishes of its sons and daughters first. Raupnir. A good man does everything in his power to better his family's position. Geiri, Freiki. Regardless of his own selfish desires. Right there on his hammer, so the word right hold. That is the answer to every bit of this. This is how you do this. You do this with racial holy war. That is the only thing that will ever, ever bring about any kind of hope or solace for our people. Racial holy war. Secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. If you cannot say that, brothers and sisters, I don't know how much you love your race. Secondly, the most important thing that I think I could possibly share to my people. Hello. There's a well-known ancient Latin phrase 
si vis pacem parabellum. If you want peace, prepare for war. And the time has come to get plumb mad dog meat. And that if you lose your head and give up, then you neither live nor win. And that's just how it is. I say to you, in imitation of that great Confederate general, Nathan Bedford Forrest. War to the knife! But a kingdom that has once been destroyed can never come again into being, nor can the dead ever be brought back to life. Oh,
to the Resolution Radio Network at resolutionrdo.com. You are listening to The Sonny Thomas Show, and I'm your host, Sonny Thomas. If you want to call in and listen now, it's area code 607-203-5423. It's area code 607-203-5423. You can also follow us on various social media. We're on Gab at Sonny Thomas Show. I'm also there at Real Sonny Thomas and at Resolution RDL. Recently, we've actually, thanks to Elon Musk, which I'm still on the fence about where he really stands, uh, we've actually been able to get our Twitter account cracked back open. And even despite some of the unnecessary truth that I've been spreading, and still on there so far, so that's always good. Uh, you can still find me there on at Sunny Thomas Show. Unfortunately, you cannot find me at Resolution RDO because they still blocked that account. On Parlor at Sunny Thomas Show, on Telegram at Sunny Thomas Show, and at Resolution RDO. We also have a presence on Wimkin, which is another uh, social media platform based similar to. Uh, writeonly.net um, as an alternative to fascist book. So Wimkin is, is actually starting to grow. I'm starting to get a lot of feedback on there. Um, I think writeonly, the reason why it's been getting bogged down is because they ran out of server space. And now they're asking for more money to um, help purchase more, which I've already paid the 10 bucks for the verified account. I don't know if I really want to spend a regular amount of money on there. So I'm looking into that myself. So I will be checking into that and going into it with other things and trying to make sure I got all my bases covered uh, Wimkin seems to be a pretty good platform as far as getting stuff and getting it uh, up and running so um, had some pretty good success there okay so we're also on Getter at St. Thomas Show so we're doing a lot of stuff there as well so so the main uh, web address is resolutionrdo.com. You can go and check out a lot of our programmings there. We feature American Dissident Voices, The Political Cesspool, The St. Thomas Show, and Nordic Frontier. I am looking at adding a couple of more shows here shortly uh, to the roster to get it kind of up and running so I can fill in a couple of empty days. I prefer to have original talent, but I'm more than happy to uh, syndicate other programs that I think have something to say. So I've actually was on the political cesspool again last night on uh, the closing of their little special Memorial Day um, feature. And uh, some of the guests that were on there uh, as well, I'm looking into a couple of their programs and maybe consider adding them to the rotation as well. So I am definitely looking forward to that um, overall. And then we're going to... Um, Bring back one of my favorite guests on, and very influential uh, filmmaker in his own right, uh, Dennis Wise. He's had three for three as far as home runs. Uh, his first one starting off with Adolf Hitler, The Greatest Story Never Told, the one of the arguably best six-and-a-half-hour documentaries you will ever watch in your lifetime uh, because it fills in all the blanks you were never told about in school. Uh, so if you ever wondered about especially the rise of the National Socialists in Germany in the 1920s, leading up to him becoming Chancellor in January of 1933, as well as eventually combining the offices of the President and the Chancellor into the Fuhrer, and all the wonderful things that actually happened with uh, National Socialist Germany uh, within two years of his full rise to power. Yet, while the United States was still mired in the Great Depression because these Fabian socialists think you can spend your way out of a depression, um, Germany proved otherwise. And so that he was completely uh, 
just absolutely, I don't want to say worshipped, but just absolutely praised that he had brought his country up from the verge of complete collapse to a full employment and full vibrant economy in, in about two years while the United States was still trying to uh, get stuff ran through the Supreme Court, such as the uh, the NRA, the National Recovery Act, which the Supreme Court struck down as to being too completely unconstitutional. And um, also the fact that uh, Roosevelt was pushing his second Bill of Rights, which was basically uh, complete socialism, such as a right to public housing and all sorts of other craziness. So these are things that are actually interesting to check out history. And of course, Regarding World War II, even though Japan attacked us, we never really focus on what happened in the War of Pacific as well as the war with Japan. Oh no, it's all about the war in Europe. We got to talk about how we must destroy the Nazis and how we had to side with the communists. So the, the National Socialist argument that, the, the, that capitalism and communism are two sides of the same coin actually have a lot of relevance when you start to think about it. And I would recommend anyone um, who is a poli-sci major that along with some of the great political works of antiquity such as uh, Caesar's commentaries on the Gallic and Civil Wars, uh, books by Cicero as well as Greek philosophers, things of that nature um, and other treatises that have come along throughout Europa, I would definitely recommend you must read Mein Kampf as well as the, the unpublished follow-up. He actually had a whole second manuscript ready for publication uh, by the end of 44, beginning of 45, and it was found in his private documents. So he had a, there is a second full uh, sequel to Mein Kampf, if you will, published out there, and it is in print. You just got to find it. So, so some of these places like Amazon, it's getting harder to find unless someone's selling a private book. But the bottom line is, it is definitely worth reading uh, through. There are audio versions of uh, Mein Kampf online. One of them is done by a fairly notable uh, British fellow, but he tries to get a little bit of, of a grist in his voice to try to sound like he's a kind of an angry German and listen to things such as this. But when you actually listen to it, and there's certain sections of Mein Kampf, and you come to think of it now, this book's been written almost 100 years ago. So we're approaching the 100th anniversary of Mein Kampf. Probably, I would say, 80% of that book is still relevant now as it was then, uh, because look at some of the policies that Germany was doing at the time is not much dissimilar to what's happening here in America. And then after the copyright expired on Mein Kampf in Deutschland, um, a cleaned up version that the Jews approved of, which basically wipes out all the anti-Jewry, which probably wipes out a third of the book, obviously, <laughs> but it was released in a limited like what, three, 4,000 print copies and they sold out in days days to the actually had to hurry up and do a second edition because of the fact that uh, people were clamoring because the book was verboten in Deutschland for so long that um, people just had to go read it. We're like, why is it you don't want us to read this? Why is it a verboten information? So those are very interesting things in its own right. But uh, going back to Dennis Wise, I can arguably say the people I've encountered with on fascist book, more people have viewed either in part or in its entirety. Adolf Hitler, the greatest story never told, and have been more awakened by that documentary than any 9-11 truth um, feature of any capacity. I mean, even Architects for 9-11 Truth, which is done by uh, Richard Gage, is actually very good. 
And if you watch the, um, uh, oh, I just forgot the name of the one documentary, not the one that the brothers shot, but the one that the Jason Burmis put out. Uh, of course, it's in monotone. I mean, this guy will put you to sleep within 10 minutes of watching the damn thing. The information's there, dude, but he talks like this throughout the whole thing with like his NPR voice, and you're like, mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, dude, it's it's really hard to absorb the information because he's so monotone. But the information is definitely there of uh, what's what's been happening. If you haven't seen 2,000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza, I recommend you definitely view that. Um, not only is it a, a damning indictment of the stolen election of 2020, but also uh, how easily this information they were able to cull and put together, such as tracking all these mules and a couple of them individual that actually went across state lines and stuffed ballot boxes. This is very interesting. So if you go back in history and look at the uh, the votes and stuff uh, in Germany for president, and the and it was about probably 1932, um, when you watch how much um, Hitler had actually risen up in popularity um, in the last five years, as well as the growing presence of the National Socialists within uh, the Reichstag to become the largest political party party in the body says a lot about their tenacity as well as their solutions to try to correct the issues that were going on. I feared that we're getting ready to go into a similar situation because the globalists love numbers and they love repeating history whenever possible, especially it's in their favor. But I would definitely say it warrants you watching that documentary. Sit down, get yourself a popcorn, grab yourself a cold beer, whatever it takes, and prepare for a long one because I tell you what, You'll be almost four hours into it before you realize you need to get up and go to, go to potty. I mean, seriously, you're just like, wow, you're so transfixed that you're just like, I never knew this. And it's just the, the great imagery, the uh, the quality, some of the videos that Dennis has worked on painlessly to try to get the color saturation to where it should be. Uh, as I've mentioned in a previous interview here with Dennis, because uh, we first time I interviewed him on this topic, we covered the content of the film. And the second time we actually went into the composition of the film because I also do video editing myself. And that's where we were able to find out some interesting information, little tidbits about the, the painstaking hours it took just for, to take tw 12 seconds of video of Ava Braun and try to get the color just right. So this goes to show you this guy is a perfectionist in his craft and he doesn't want to put out any type of uh, shoddy product. So you also want to look up his two other films, which actually make excellent bookends. Communism by the Back Door. And also uh, the Secret Masonic Victories of World War II really is the quasi-sequel slash prequel to The Greatest Story Never Told. Either way, it really, those three together as a trilogy absolutely will awaken your mind. Because if you notice in school, they never talk about communism. They never go into the details of the Bolshevik uh, uprising. Who funded them? Um, all the main members of the Bolsheviks were all Jews. Um they never tell you about the maskers. Oh, we always have to be told about the Holocaust and how much it should never happen again. But we're never told about talked about the Holodomor massacre and what the Soviets did to those people there, starving them to death and everything else. I mean, no, that's not even to be discussed. Or the Armenian genocide, which is the really beginning of the word Holocaust. We're not even to talk about that. So again, when you really understand the causes and effects of World War One why it would lead to World War II. Some people say it was never a separate war. There's actually a continuation, just a pause. That actually is a, a basis for argument. But the, the real issue is 
some of the conflicts that led up the last 50 years up to World War One are definitely worth looking into. Even going back to Napoleon and his invasion of Russia and many other things. I mean, one thing you can always connect is that all wars are bankers' wars. It doesn't matter who wins or loses. The banks always prosper. And the victors always write the history. So we see how much the Confederate side of the American Civil War has been lambasted. And now they're trying to take away all of our monuments to our Confederate generals. And the most latest egregious move uh, for the destruction of Western civilization in America is the renaming of the Southern bases after Confederate generals. And they're naming them after Keffers and all sorts of stupid fucks from World War II and Vietnam that really are irrelevant. But that being said, at least the people surrounding Fort Bragg have been adamant that Bragg is not to be renamed in any way, shape, or form. They've actually taken a stand up for that, uh, which is great. But the same stroke is, uh, besides the fact that these are still Americans, they're still Americans. They were great generals, great military leaders. They should at least have some reverence. Uh, they use it as a as a way to console the South during Reconstruction. Well, we'll just let you name your things after your generals. What the fuck ever. But the bottom line is, is that like Fort Bragg, it doesn't matter if it was named after a Confederate general. What matters is it's it become its own culture, its own place. That it means something to say you were stationed at Bragg or you, you went to Bragg or whatever the case may be. How many people since the naming of that of that base uh, have created a life of their own, and uh, Bragg is just as much uh, a warmth place in their heart, and maybe have forgotten that it was named after a Confederate general. I think that's relevant, and I think that should, should be brought up. But uh, we're going to bring Dennis Wise on because of the fact that we're going to cover a few things today. We're going to cover briefly um, the trilogy that he's really done to awaken a lot of people in the West, by the way, as well as... Um, um, we're going to have him comment on some current events such as the Ukraine-Russia shittiation. And I'm going to play a clip by Laura Logan that I think is really relevant about that particular situation at the moment. And, and we noticed that there isn't as much coverage about what's going on over there as there was before. So they keep focusing on the Azov Battalion because of the fact that they're Nazi base, which the Nordic Resistance Movement actually has shown support because ideologically they're in the same thing. But my question is, these guys are funded by George Soros and others from the West. So I would, I actually posed the question to them, and I haven't really looked to see if I had any comments from it. But uh, um, are they true NS? Because the fact they looked apart, they they spouse apart. But you got to actually question when they're being funded by you know globalist Jews like Soros. You really have to start raising the eyebrow uh, of of curiosity because it's kind of like really and that's one of putin's arguments is, is trying to eliminate the nazi infestation in the ukraine now again putin's fly over the last 15 years has issued a lot of warnings to the west stop doing this stop doing this and uh, they kept on doing it they kept on putting his face putting missiles in certain places doing the bio labs there in ukraine which the russians have founded so where is the outrage of the u.s based Bio labs in Ukraine, like supposing the outrage of the German concentration camps that the Americans, British, and Russian forces are discovering. You know? I mean, seriously, where is the outrage? Where where is the uh, backlash uh, from world leaders? Hey, what the fuck are you doing, America? You're doing all this. Shit. I mean, if you, if you're making bioweapons, go after actually Slavic people like fucking 
Russia, then who's to say you won't do it against us? I mean, we have something that we have a disagreement with. You know, I mean, seriously, we, we can go and invade all these other countries under a UN premise. But when Russia stands up for themselves, oh, no, they must be condemned. They must be sanctioned. They must be absolutely thrown out, which tells me Russia must be in the right. And Putin's pretty for now. I understand he's a classic propagandist. I get that. But Putin himself, I trust more than any of my elected leaders since Ronald Reagan. Be quite honest. Because he's straightforward. If you analyze what he says, he goes into a lot of history. He puts out the information. It can be verified. So even if he talks out both sides of his mouth, at least they're simultaneous. As opposed to these fuckers over here, everything they say out of one mouth and then say it out of the other side of their mouth is complete contradictory. So that's a problem. So I'm just kind of blathering on here. But the bottom line is I want to get Dennis's take on this because of the fact that he's an astute fan of history and he sees a lot of similarities. Just like... Um, uh, we had Harold Ziegler on here a while back, and he was talking about the propaganda against Russia regarding this is the exact same thing that they did against Germans when they invaded Poland in 1939. Because the Germans had a legitimate reason to go into Poland, um, and this is the exact same reason Russians had, and you see the same exact demonization. So there you go. So Dennis, welcome back to the Sunny Thomas Show. Yes, it has been a while since you've been on the program. And, and for our listeners, some people remember, uh, none of I interviewed Dennis separately, but I've also had him in roundtable discussions. And uh, it's always a joy to uh, uh, get that there. One of these days, actually, I am going to get you and Harold Zeger on the same program, and we can all talk shop, because I guarantee you it would be a very interesting exchange. Because he escaped from uh, East Germany in the mid-1980s, uh, realized he had Austrian citizenship through his father. And since he didn't know how to speak English, he stayed in Austria instead of coming to the United States because he actually had some responsibilities and didn't want to be burdened uh, with America having to deal with the fact he couldn't speak the language. Had an opportunity to come over here in the mid-2000s, and then when Obama was running, he was absolutely terrified because he said, this guy is preaching the very same thing I escaped from and started speaking out at Tea Party meetings. And then a radio host suggested he write a book about his experiences, and he did. It was called Freedom's Nightmare. And he explains what it was like growing up behind the Iron Curtain, uh, being raised a communist. Uh, you know, he was actually trained as an engineer. And what's interesting is that his wife is Catholic. And um, when they were able to go back after the fall and check out the Stasi files on themselves, he had a file about an inch thick. He was actually a fairly good boy considering. His wife, simply because she was Catholic, her dossier was four inches thick. So she was considered a... Uh, you know, what would the, what would the yeah what what would the Church of Scientology call it? Maybe consider you a suppressive person. <laughs> so I mean, well, of course not. Yeah, sure. So let's talk about um, real briefly. Let's talk about what actually got you into wanting to make these documentaries. I think that's paramount because the fact that um, obviously you have a background in media, so you're able to um, put this thing together um, either with the great labor of love um, and just using your incredible skill. What actually got you start going down this path to actually want to really crack open this topic? I mean, we just discussed it because every time you go into a story, you see a book that's anti-Hitler and it's like, boy, if people only knew the truth uh, or, or um, you know, what was your inspiration? Well, uh, I used to think I, I drew the short straw and, uh, went ahead with the documentary. Well, I've, since 
really thought about it, and I'm really, I believe I was the only person in the UK to be able to, to do such a venture. Number one, I was uh, brought up by my father, who was uh, on the German side, down in the Balkans, who taught me at an early age that side of the story and the reasons why. And uh, being able to do videos uh, up to a certain point gave me that ability to uh, be able to tell the story in a stronger light. Uh, the thing was, uh, it wasn't really any use to me until the internet broke. Because up to that point, there would have been no point at all because people in England are so brainwashed about the Hitler uh, thing that, you know, people just wouldn't have listened or believed anyway, and it would have been dangerous. So when the internet came out, yeah, fair enough, I saw an audience. I was then listening to people like Diana Spingola and, and uh, other radio shows which seemed pro-Hitler, which I couldn't believe because this is the first time I'd ever heard it. Uh, and then I decided, well, you know, I think... I have the ability to do this uh, this documentary, and I felt it was the right time to do it because they were never going to make Hollywood was never going to make a blockbuster of Hitler anyway. Right. Which is interesting because when you look at some of the, uh, I, I've actually let's uh, give good observation when you look at some of the actors that have portrayed Hitler um, in different situations. And we're talking some prominent actors. Even Sir Alec Guinness had actually played Hitler um, in, in one particular thing, as well as one of the Caesars during the uh, the, the was it the, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, or whatever that movie was. But um, you know, Sir Alec Guinness has actually had a very very good uh, roster of characters he's played in his lifetime. Obviously, Obi Wan Kenobi being one of the most influential. But one of my favorite movies to him is The Bridge on the River Kwai. He puts such a great performance in there. It's like, you'd follow this. If that was your CEO, you'd follow him into hell with a bucket full of ice water. I mean, seriously, that's that's the exemplary of what a British officer should be. And I think um, I think that's very respectable. With that being said, um, I have seen clips of different actors uh, play Hitler over the years. And uh, even more recent ones, such as um, the one that Tom Cruise did uh, about um, Colonel Stauffenberg where they make him look like he's not quite with it, you know, um, like he's not really all there, whatever. Um, instead of really looking at the video clips and seeing a very vibrant, um, energetic man who's very passionate about his beliefs. And I think you really capture that a lot in this documentary, even some of the commentary by some of the uh, people you feature in there, where like the one gentleman's talk about, He's like, he had this ability to just, you know, throw on a few extra generators and just absolutely just crack it with life. And you're just like, wow. And then I've seen clips where kids that were actually in the Hitler Youth reflect, you know, 30, 40 years later and says, wow, I was at that speech there at the Sports Palast. And it just absolutely, you know, he just absolutely inspired me. And, and for decades, I still believed he was right. And because the fact that, you know, why wouldn't you? I mean, really, it, it, for us, for us, how would we not disbelieve many of the things that Kennedy said? Because Kennedy was a visionary. Not only that, but Kennedy was an admirer of Hitler, by the way. And um, he even said that um, it, during his presidency, that there was certain things that Hitler had done he very much admired. Um, and maybe because he realized after he got in office, he was fighting some of the very same forces that the 
the Fuhrer was battling overall. So I think you've showcased that a lot, especially near the end when he's starting to do his last testaments. He really is steadfast to the very end talking about these internationalists that have no country of origin of their own, but they parasite off of other nations and basically they are tirelessly trying to destroy the West. And what I can't understand is, is why would they want to destroy whites? These people are vibrant, creative people. Why wouldn't you want to destroy the lesser races that are just, you know, you know, a 65 well, IQ I, or less? I don't understand that. I do, I do have a theory about that, but that's another thing, yeah. Well, besides the fact uh, that whites are smart to figure things out, but the bottom line is they're trying to make us a cappuccino race, so that way if you go by the Georgia Guidestones, it'd be much easier to eliminate us. I mean, when Zebanu Brzezinski said, traditionally it's always been easier to, to control a million people than to kill – now it's much easier to kill a million people than to control. And I think with the vaccines, the 5G, all that shit put together, I, I think they may actually achieve their goal on the Georgia Guidestones. I mean, is that what you're kind of thinking as well? Yeah, it is. Uh, I think that, you know, uh, for me to take the vaccine after all I've done in the documentaries, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people who saw the documentaries would also be wary of this kind of government and pushing as a vaccine. So there's probably a few lives been saved out there, I believe, as well. But um, what you said about how I captured uh, Hitler in such a dynamic way, behind all of uh, all that uh, particular speech, and one of the speeches we, we talk about was from 1920, when, when he singles out these Jews have no home, and they're, they're everywhere, they're in Austria, they're in London. They're, uh, that was uh, all backed up by some unbelievable music which, which I found off YouTube, because I felt like if I used the old German kind of music traditional time, it just wouldn't have captured it for today's audience. Yes. But this particular type of music was vital, and once I'd, I'd heard, and then I kind of auditioned each one for each part, and I just felt like a love. I really did capture that, that era, that, that era. Yeah, because I've recently come across a couple of uh, features myself um, at work. They have uh, propaganda videos that they play uh, besides, you know, safety videos and promos and stuff like that. But they feature clips from different things. And one of them um, was talking about the types of music that they use, like in Marvel films, and how most people cannot remember any particular theme to a Marvel film, um, unlike classic stuff such as maybe Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek or something. They always have very memorable themes, but this actually is good music, but just it's not memorable. And then it's amazing how much they'll tweak it and reuse it in multiple films. Um, and so it's like, wow, but you try to get certain effects when you're trying to pull out some emotions. And so sometimes I like watching the, uh, the, the special features on the documentaries uh, of, of some of these classic films and they talk about the director and why he was doing things a certain way, maybe lit things a certain way. Um, so anyone who's really into cinematography, who really wants to understand how things are done can appreciate that. And I, I've seen some of these newer filmmakers. There's a, a Korean guy that, that uh, came out within the last 10 years or so. He's put out phenomenal films such as The War of the Arrows and um, The Admiral, Rising Currents, or Raging Currents. Uh, very excellent films, well done, well cast, um, well shot. And, of course, even the, the English uh, dialogue is actually pretty good. But the bottom line is these are very well done films. 
But when you also look at how the music really captures the, the, the climax of the moment, you're like, damn. And that's what I see in The Greatest Story Never Told. When you watch this thing, it gets you excited. It's, it's such an upbeat documentary. It's not, okay, this is what happened. No, no, no. This is what happened. I mean, you see the difference in tone. It's like, holy shit, dude. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why you can watch it for four hours at a time without taking a pee break because of the fact that you get so into it and and you really yeah, well, it, it, it really drives on the the emotions Dennis I mean seriously you're like holy shit dude I'm you know you're literally downloading all this information and you're like fuck yeah, yeah no the music combined uh, and, and the early footage that I used from the film uh, Hitler, the evil of Hitler, or something like that it was called. Uh, that was historically so accurate that the footage that I could put with it, with the music, was like, wow, this is the truth. Do you understand what I mean? Obviously, a poor movie about Hitler, don't get me wrong, but it was historically accurate, and uh, I could use bits out of that which, which kind of uh, enhanced everything. Well, like I said, I, I think it's very powerful, really showing a, a beginning of the guy, plus a lot of the clips that you use, the, the dialogue, it really is engaging. I mean, the, the beginning opening monologue by the gentleman that you had on there and watching the footage of him riding on the Mercedes coming in and stuff and everything else, you're like, wow, dude. I mean, you can just tell that this is a man of greatness. And uh, arguably, I have to say, if you were to consider the two greatest leaders and you want to talk about um good versus evil arguably arguably say the greatest leader of the 20th century that really set the tone for all the wars and everything and everything went on would have to be lenin because the fact that that guy just came in there and just completely destroyed uh russia wiped out the monarchy just the everything that he started and then stalin picked up you know because you know all one of the things i always try to denounce these guys everything they always compare hitlerian and it nazi and so it's like nah dude this is stalinistic stuff compare it to stalin compare it to mao because that is totalitarianism and then william pierce um when he was alive i heard a clip recently he did a very good analysis explaining differences between um, uh, the fascism of Benito Mussolini as well as National Socialism of Adolf Hitler. And they, even though they may have some similarities, they are not the same. They are not the same whatsoever. They have, in some things, Mussolini inspired Hitler, but he definitely... It's his own organism. And like I mentioned to you before, I think the reason why they hate National Socialism so much is because it is, it's organic, it's tied to nature, and it came from the thought of one man. One man who is not even highly educated, but the guy was very intelligent and was able to figure out through the power of observation and whatever periodicals he can get his hands on, he was able to connect the dots very easily and put two and two together. So not only that, but to find the talent that he found with Goering and, and Goebbels and, and Himmler and all these guys from various backgrounds who really helped push um, National Socialism into the, the Germany mainstream takes a lot of talent. I mean, seriously, the, any true movement will have its, its, its stars. And you are definitely a, a talent in your movement. I hope you've inspired many other documentary filmmakers to actually put different parts of history in the same context you have 
as it really happened. Well, I think I have. I think I've been mentioned a couple of times by some some uh, uh, documentary makers who came after me who have mentioned that I did influence them. So that that was that was good to know. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, the, the third documentary kind of opened up a lot for me. I mean, it, I, I was on a journey. Uh, through every episode, I was finding things as I went along, and I knew at some point I was getting closer and closer to the subject, which would blow it all open. Uh, and the fact that I, I knew that Wall Street had funded the Russian Revolution doesn't take a genius no. to know that that they tell Lenin what they do, they tell Stalin what to do, and okay, Stalin turned at the end. Well, there's probably a good reason for that as well, which I cover. And so, uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's a hidden hand behind all this, which which Hitler knew. And again, another part of that documentary was the fact that people were always saying that the bankers funded Hitler, which I always believed to be untrue. I always suspected the Catholic Church because of the threat of Bolshevism. Yes. Uh, and, what, and what that would do to Europe and the Catholic Church. And so uh, eventually I did find stone cold evidence that it was the Catholic Church that closed down the Central Party, their own party in Germany, uh, and told everybody to vote for National Socialism. and was the power behind Hitler coming into Germany. And I even believe there's enough evidence, which I haven't disclosed as yet, that he was crowned as Emperor of the old Roman Empire in 1936. Wow. Uh, he was he a was defender of Christianity in Europe. I'm not saying the Catholic Church gets away scot-free with a lot of things, but Hitler probably knew that. He was going to change, I think, if he had won the war, he would have changed a lot of things, but he was a Christian. And if, if you look for proof of that, is the way by 1941 he had retaken Europe from the Rothschilds and the Freemasons, which had previously, after World War One, and Versailles celebrated this victory, uh, and every country which he took back in Europe, he replaced with Christian leaders, because the Roman Empire, uh, the, the Holy Roman Empire, was the power for for a, a number of years, thousand years, before Freemasonry challenged it and actually defeated it in World War One. So. It was only the fact that he had to go into the Soviet Union, forced to go into the Soviet Union, because he, he had word that Stalin was about to invade. So 17 days spare, he went into the Soviet Union with a coalition of Christian countries uh, to try and take down Stalin. And it, that was the only reason that he eventually lost the war, when it was uh, defeats of Stalingrad, etc. And of course, the Masons from America landed it. And Britain landed at Dunkirk, forced him to split his armies. But yeah, uh, that documentary opened up a lot, a lot of a, a, a truth for me. I think another thing too is also Hitler's state of mind at that time, because the fact that um, when you when you look at some of that history, he was disregarding some of the warnings of some of his generals. But the same stroke, um, there's a History Channel documentary on High Hitler where it talked about some of the. Um, medications and stuff that he was on to deal with various things such as with flatulence and, and some other things that were actually probably affecting his mental state of mind a little bit plus the constant barrage of information that he had to process and then eventually became 
the top commander of, of most of the German forces, uh, taken away from any of his generals. Um, I don't know if that could have been an ego or just because he maybe thought it would probably be uh, streamlining the, the process. But the bottom line was um, it, it seriously had some uh, very disastrous uh, results, such as the, the fall in Stalingrad and, and, and other places. But the bottom line is, um, I, I think what's interesting is who else might have been giving Hitler information? I mean, was there possible German officers who, you know, again, it's the very same ones that were plotting to kill him? Were the ones giving him disinformation? I mean, we don't know exactly. We weren't there. Well, Bill Perley never liked Hitler anyway. He never looked at this, uh, you know, this commoner as, uh, you know, never liked the fact that he was their leader. Uh, and plus, a lot of them were Freemasons. Mm. But it was only in that second documentary that I found out that he did destroy Freemasonry, not only in Germany, but in every country that the uh, Germans went into. Even uh, the Channel Islands, they destroyed the lodges. Uh, and that's what kind of opened my eyes for the third documentary because I could see there was something behind this. I mean, Roosevelt was a, a 33 degree, 32 degree Mason. Churchill was a 33 degree Mason. Stalin was a Freemason. More than anybody says, he was a Freemason, uh, which uh, I went on to prove in a, a, a mini little uh, video which I did. Uh, so the fact that all these were Freemasons. Uh, who had a war against the Catholic Church throughout the ages, uh, led me down this road of the secret Masonic victory. And the more I went into it, the more blatant it became. Starting from uh, the Spanish Armada, believe it or not, John D, the cult side of it, uh, right through the South African wars and all the other revolutions, the Spanish, and, you know, even the German Revolution, which they actually repelled the Bolsheviks. All fell into place. This was uh, banker financially supported. All the bankers were Freemasons. Uh, and was the reason why Hitler destroyed all the lodges. Not to mention, uh, I love the part you, when you go into about 1920s Berlin, and one of the um, ironies is when he took this um, took this particular facility, which was a center of debauchery there and turn it into like Nazi headquarters or something as a, as a fuck you to them. I thought that was great. And what's interesting is if you watch the, um, the, the one classic, um, uh, Hitler youth film, um, and I can't remember the name of the topic Well, you know, the kid kids very susceptible to suggestion and the communists try to recruit him, but he ends up by joining the national socialists and ends up dying um, in support of the cause, um, very powerful film. I mean, I, I've actually had other people watch it and they said, dude, that actually isn't a bad movie. I said, I know, right? I mean, seriously, but if you can understand Germany at that time where how much the communists were, were really in a threat of taking over the country and how a small little political party such as National Socialist German Workers Party actually started to rise up and really get people to flock to their cause – uh, it really opens eyes because you look at some of the stuff going on right now. Every time you've seen a very hard right movement or group trying to make some headway, the U.S. government does everything it can to suppress it, whether it's the National Socialist Movement, whether it was um, Traditional Workers Party, all the shit that happened at Unite the Right thing in Charlottesville. I mean, I was there. I filmed that shit. I saw how they, they – it was a complete control and collapse situation. They were trying to get all the factions to fight each other. 
uh, which didn't happen. But the bottom line is I filmed that whole damn thing and you could see it unfolding. And um, uh, I, I see similar situations in, in the in, of Germany after World War One in some of the footage that goes on there. And I'm just going, dude, there's so many similar patterns here where the, the governments are trying to manipulate shit or whatever. And um, yeah. they're trying to really marginalize any type of uh, patriotic, libertarian, free-thinking movement here in the United States to the point where even the Libertarian Party is now controlled by the Koch brothers. So that's a whole problem in itself. Yeah, I mean, the Democrat Party, I mean, Biden's not leading that. He's been led by a bunch of Marxists behind the scenes. Quite obviously, to see that with everything what's going on, and all this happened in Germany, and it's, it's a case, uh, you know, the thing with Putin, well, it, well, it worked with Germany, but if it's not broke, don't fix it. So this, you can see the same pattern what's happening, and at the moment, America is in a position where probably the same position as what Germany was in pre-Hitler, and where you're crying out for somebody who can educate the nation and tell them exactly what's going on. Uh, luckily for Germany. You know, they managed to get 12 years of freedom by this person arising. But uh, like the saying goes, you know, if you're defeated by the greatest liars in history, you're going to be the greatest liar about person ever. Well, not that, but you look at the rise of Trump, and at the beginning, he seemed like it would be a pretty good thing. And you hear the conspiracy theory that, oh, he was basically picked because he's incorruptible. He's already made his money. He's not out for that. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, Trump has definitely created a brand name for himself. And so this is just another form of branding for him. So, I mean, he, you know, he's in his 70s now. So he's one of, you know, he's, he's a consummate promoter, his self-promoter. Though, though he does a lot, he did a lot of pro-America stuff. Um, and I, I had gone to some of his earliest rallies. The first one he came to Columbus, I was there. Um, and it was like, wow, there's a guy's main name for himself. He's running for president. You know, he's actually building a crowd. And then the crowds were getting huge. I mean, is to the point we couldn't find venues big enough to hold everybody. I mean, it was almost realized we had a shortage of stadiums. And I'm going, you know, when you when you watch the, the footage there and you see, you know, thousands and thousands of Germans flooded into these stadiums to see their leader, man. It's like it, it's not compulsory. They wanted to see their leader. I mean, it's yeah. like he really was a rock star of his day, dude. I mean, to, to, when, when it's, you mentioned the point, the fact that he was able to walk through a crowd on foot and not worry about being attacked in any way, shape, or form. He felt he was amongst his people, man. And I don't think you see that anymore because especially America being the the, 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 the melting pot that it is, some fucker with an attitude is going to go up and say, oh, I'm going to get that white guy, you know, I mean, seriously, but I've seen a lot of blacks that have really come out for Trump and say, hey, you know, uh, this guy's really done a lot, man, he's woken me up and many things, and I appreciate that, but the same stroke, I, I, I look at some of these brainwashed whites, and they just hate Trump because of a, a comment he made, or, or, for example, they go and attack John Wayne because of a comment he made in a Playboy interview in 1971, which, is he wrong? I mean, seriously, John Wayne is a symbol of Americana. I, I've actually, I tell my friends all the time, as well as other family members, you, you got kids and they want to watch movies, especially young, have them watch John Wayne films before they start, you know, getting outwards and getting looking cheesy. Because, in fact, there's a lot of great moral lessons you learn from John Wayne films. And, um, he just, he just communism, didn't he? oh, he hated, he hated, matter of fact, I thought it was funny when the FBI informed him. 
that uh, Khrushchev wanted him assassinated because he was such a positive influence on American male youth that he, I can imagine the look on his face when he was told that is like, wow, I'm really a yeah. fucking threat. <laughs> what gets confusing though is uh, John Wayne was a 33 degree Freemason. Was he? But the 33 degree Freemason, yeah, he was, yeah. But the 33 degree Freemason is a, is, you know, you don't have to actually study for anything. It's just, it's like a, an honor which, which is handed to you. And he would have, no doubt, would have took that, not actually knowing what it, what it really meant. Hmm. Because in Hollywood, well, in America at the moment, you have this, uh, because of World War Two. we all know World War Two. the Freemasons and the Jews, and the communists, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the communists were Jews. So, uh, in Hollywood, this is why they hate Trump. They are Freemasons to the core. You see all the Egyptian symbolism. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're, they're the lovers of communism. That's why all these actors come out and, and, and are all left wing. The all of Clinton, the all of Obama, where the Trump side of it are the Jews who don't like communism. And I believe you can throw Putin into that side of it as well. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, they, they, they don't, they, certainly Russia's had communism, don't want it. Uh, and, and Trump is the age of communism. As was John Wayne. And I was talking to a, a Freemason, it was a 33 degree Freemason, uh, who had a clash with in comments on YouTube a while back. Uh, but we actually got into conversation and it got to a point where he would not accept communism has anything to do with, with Freemasonry. Uh, and I, I kind of, you know, fair enough, if you're not going to debate what is actual fact, it's point carrying on. And uh, you look at Hollywood, like I said, they're soaked in Freemasonry and soaked in communism. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I proved that again in, in the Secret Masonic. Are you there? Okay, uh, I was just checking something real fast, and then all of a sudden he got quiet. I'm like, uh-oh. No, no, no. Well, I mean, all the leaders were Freemasons, as I mentioned earlier. This is a, it's a classic way of infiltrating countries, because if you've got a government who will allow a secret society to, to, to infest its, its, the nation, you've got a problem, which Hitler sorted. Well, all the other countries, all the governments are in on it anyway. So they don't mind the secret society being a secret in their nation. Well, hell, look at one of the one of the societies. The Black Hand is what killed Archduke Ferdinand and started off the damn war. Exactly, Serbians, yeah. So I mean, that's a whole situation. And see that that is what the very thing that George Washington warned against. He said, "Trade with all alliances with none," because the fact when that thing started to explode, everyone got involved because they had an alliance with the other side. And then it just turned yeah, into the thing. But what, what gets me is that started off as a tribal thing, but yet Germany was to blame for World War One. That's bullshit because of the fact they were brought bullshit. into it. They weren't the they weren't the purveyors of it. They were the ones that were actually one of the main mechanisms that could have won it. That's right. They came into work because Russia came in behind Serbia. The natural alliance to Austria and Germany. They didn't actually, no way, but they got clobbered for it, as you know. Yeah. Well, here, there's another thing, too, is, is the fact that uh, Hitler was such a, a supporter. I mean, when, when the guy was talking about how he can shoot himself in the foot uh, so he can get sent back to home and stuff, he's like, you know, yeah. do you realize that 10 soldiers probably are going to die because of you? 
because of doing this stuff. I mean, and seriously, he was a fanatic. And it's just like, how many people in wartime situations uh, may end up being like that? True patriots. You know, my oh, big yeah, yeah, my my biggest issue is um, uh, I've always brought this up that most people don't seek leadership. Oftentimes, they they're you know it's a situation like in a classroom. You know, when a cl when a teacher calls upon you to read a, a a paragraph out of a book or something, or wants to add, pose a question and get someone to do do an answer, most people like try to cower. Like I don't want to be seen. I don't want to stand out. When then you got others in the back of the room that actually know the answer, maybe the teacher knows they know, and won't call on them. They look like Hoss Shack from Welcome Back Car. You know, oh, 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 oh. And it's like, I'm not going to call on you, dude, because I know you know the answer. But the thing is, there are many of those people that cower when in their youth in, in a classroom like that get thrown into situations where they either people look to them, maybe because they brought up a valid point, and then it, it to them it shows potential leadership. Because most people want to follow. They don't want to be leaders. And so when they actually do have someone step up, they're like, oh, yeah, dude, I'm going to stand with this guy. You get someone like Adolf Hitler, why he has to be villainized because he is the leader's leader. I mean, this guy came from like nowhere, from a very you know, minimalist background. And, uh, that, and, and just think, if the guys hadn't rejected him at the architect place, they might have avoided this thing altogether, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would definitely categorize him. He up there with, uh, you know, I mean, we're talking like, hell, even Siegfried, man, the Dragon Slayer. I mean, come on, <laughs> because especially when it comes to German German mythological heroes and stuff, he instead of being lambasted, he should be embraced because of the fact that um, he came from nowhere and reached the very heights of power. And I mean, you also got to look at that too, Dennis. Is anyone that eventually becomes leader of a country? All the trials and tribulations and all the contests it took to get to that position. You know, I mean, it's like anybody, you know, it's like you decide to step up. Yeah, especially in political theater. You, you step up, you go in races, you try to put a platform, even if it's radical or if it seems really uh, a little too far fetched. If you believe in it, you stick to it, stick to it. I mean, even someone like Ron Paul. You know, it's like it took decades before a young generation finally tapped into what he was saying. And all of a sudden he became a huge hero for the for the libertarian and, and the right because of the fact that here's a guy has been saying this stuff and you can take any clip of him in Congress in the mid-1980s. And the only difference between him and now is that his hair is, is darker. I mean, the guy is on principle. And I think that's what, what you see with Hitler. It's like you go back and look at any speech he said 
in the 20s, 30s, even up into the 40s. He's consistent. Where any of these other guys will just, you know, like Clinton is like, well, let me lick my finger and see where the wind blows, and I'll go in that direction. I mean, that's the type of shit that he did, you know. He was no leader. The guy was just a, <laughs> he was just a sex offender that actually had uh, some political power, you know. Well, the thing is, like, it's in the second documentary, it, it explains that there is no difference between the Republican and the Democrats, just like there is no difference between the Conservatives and the Labour Party. It's, it, it's, it's a brilliant way of dictatorship. Whereas every four years or five years, you can have an election and you can get rid of the party and replace it with a party, which is the same party. There may be minor differences, but on the, on the major, major uh, decisions, it's just the same. You know, I mean, uh, there's a point where Clinton would have gone to Iraq if it weren't for his Mono Lewinsky episode. Who also was a Jewess, by the way. I found that exactly. out recently. Yeah. yeah, she was a Jewess. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, there's, there's no difference. And, and this was explained um, in, in a book. I can't remember the name there, to be honest, but uh, it was kind of a historian for the elite. And, and he, he, he kind of shows that, that this is this is, democracy is a sham. It is what it is. You know, you replace one party with another without disrupting your agenda. And that's one of the things that Hitler had talked about, the, the evils of parliamentary democracy in his book. I mean, you really go into that. And when you think about it, it's like you, you get different parties that are actually um, ideologically different, but they'll be solid on one issue, especially they can get over one like the, over the major party so they can get their agenda through that. They will they will connive with each other to create a coalition and then ram that agenda through because it suits their purpose. Um, especially if it, it diminishes the power of the major party. I mean, it's uh, I can understand where that comes from. And uh, not only that, but <clears throat> when you understand history, it's like what, why Brutus was was basically driven to kill Caesar because of the fact that you know they said a, a Brutus must wield the knife because of his ancestor. His ancestor was one of the main culprits that actually got rid of Tarquinius, the last king of Rome, before they created the Senate. So. Historically, a Brutus must wield a knife against tyranny. So do we have similar things like that today where we have certain familiar lines or at least ideologies that says, hey, this individual needs to step up, you know, because of the fact that they symbolize or they come from a great background. I mean, I don't think we see that as much because a lot of the familiar lines have been wiped out or between interracial marriages have been really watered down. Uh, or even the Jews. Some of the Jews purposely might have gotten into some of these families just so they can taint the bloodline and subvert it for themselves, you know? Sure, I'm sure they are. I mean, what, what, when you look at the main cause of World War One, what was it? It was to get rid of the monarchies because none of the monarchies, just like Henry VIII, would ever go with uh, uh, being marginalized in their own kingdoms. It's like, uh, screw that shit, dude. So, I mean, Henry VIII was the first, that's, that's what the whole Protestant movement was about, was to say, screw the church. Hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. And then I can't remember the name of the book that Anne Boleyn gave him, but it reaffirmed his divine right to rule his own kingdom. Yep. And then he was smart. He created the Church of England. This is, oh, okay, cool. This is all fine and good. But you know what? Now I'm becoming I'm the de facto head of the Church of England. So they don't stab me in the back, too. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, no, I, see, I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to look at uh, the, the way the British Empire 
which used to, to bring all this to the forefront. A little tiny island uh, went around the world, conquering all these countries, draining them all resources. And all that stemmed back to Cromwell and, and letting the Jews back into power because within months they'd taken over the Bank of England, they control the finances. Uh, the, the Queen can't even go into the city of London in her, in her royal dress. She has to dress as, as, as a common woman. Uh, you know, they've got their own uh, mayor of London in the, in the city of London. This, this one square mile of, of, uh, of, of financial, probably the most financial greatest financial ground in the world um, so yeah we're, we're britain is not run by the english as proven uh in the secret masonic picture when i show all the all the people that uh were on the privy council uh in england and when you come to the versailles treaty where people get it wrong they will say that the leaders of these countries also their jewish advisors no no, no no the jews took these leaders or puppets with them yeah, I mean, obviously Woodrow Wilson is a prime example. Puppet. I mean, complete puppet. I mean, uh, same with Biden. I mean, Biden, you know, is ass from the ground. I mean, he's just there to sign the checks. If he can even sign his name. And, you know, I, I can almost see him getting to the point where they almost have to have a power of attorney thing where Camel Toe is actually signing the checks because Biden can't physically do it. That's <laughs> true. I mean, there's no way that guy ever won an election which needed 80 million, uh, 80 million votes to win it. There's just no way. No, there is, there, there is no way. And and for and and, and and to chastise those of us that question that uh, and label us as white supremacists, you know, it's like, well, if, it's, if that's the case, then I'm a white supremacist because you know what? Because I'm like, you can put whatever label you want on me. If it, if it suits you, that's all fine and good. But the truth are the facts. I mean, you know... Uh, no, they, they, was it the truth fears no investigation from a particular German right. leader? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so let me ask you this, Dennis, of, of your three films, and, and even here you, you stated that um, you've had some revelations as you made each one, uh, which made, yeah. which opened the door into the next one. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it's hard to pick a, a favorite amongst your children, but. And, and for various reasons, but which ones would you say are your favorite? I mean, obviously, Greatest Stories opened the door for a lot of people as a, as a great gateway drug, if you will. And then um, Communism by the Back Door really kind of shows how much is entrenched. But I think the Great Masonic Victories, I think, really, not that, but it really dives into the Bolsheviks taking over Russia in the beginning. I think, to me, that is very detailed-oriented, and you name the culprits behind it. And, and it really gives people a chance to take a pause and go, again, just like Greta Story, why, why was I never told this in school? You know, so that's why. Well, yeah, obviously there's a reason. Yeah, no, I think if, if you were to say to me which was a favorite documentary, I would have to say the first one because it was so impactful and it has turned so many people's ways of thinking. Uh, and they've admitted that all over the internet, people who've seen it. But the secret Masonic victory goes that bit deeper uh, and we find out the reasons and who was behind uh, you know Poland all right people say France and England were, were, were back in Poland don't worry if Germany invaded but it was actually Roosevelt who was pushing France and England to back them until Roosevelt could get in the war so he was the culprit behind uh, the, the Germans getting killed in Poland the ethnics forcing Hitler 
Yeah. After 12 months of negotiations and nobody listening to him, what other option did he have? And they knew that. They, they knew the type of guy Hitler was, this nationalist. He'd already fired against the Benes of Czechoslovakia. He'd warned him because he was playing the same game. So they knew that at some point he was going to go in. And when he went in, he, he was. It was open because of Russia, giving Russia half of Poland and him taking the other half, uh, the World War Three, uh, World War II wouldn't start. But lo and behold, we all know what happened when Russia went into Poland. They shoved all, all, the, all, the, all the Polish elite straight into the gulags and Stalin was being paid by the same masters as Churchill and Roosevelt. So it really was, you know, conned into, conned into that. But he couldn't help. He had to go in to save the Germans. Well, yeah, but I, I've, I've mentioned to you a couple of books that I've acquired over the last few years that <clears throat> really been in uh, a revelation themselves. One by uh, Doctor uh, Friedrich uh, Steve. What the world rejected: Hitler's peace offers from 1933 to 1940. Yep. This also includes a final appeal for peace and sanity uh, in July of 1940 by Adolf Hitler. Hitler's political testament in April 45. Hermann Goering's last letter to Winston Churchill from Nuremberg in October of 1946, and Neville Chamberlain in the Forrestal Diaries, the world Jews have forced England into this war. So, um, and it's fairly good sized uh, print, so you can, it's a real fast page turner. And a second book, yeah, and, yeah and, and a second book that I got recently from somebody um, is very powerful. It's called Gruesome Harvest. The Costly Attempt to Exterminate the People of Germany by Ralph Franklin Keeling and really shows um, – and, and, and not only that, but I've, I've heard people even recently making comments. I had a coworker who obviously he's claimed he was a Christian even though he's part Jew um, – uh, basically said, yeah, we should have wiped all those Germans out you know, and just exterminate them. I said, dude, those are my people. Would you want to exterminate me too? Yeah, so most of my heritage is Deutschland, and I'm very proud of it. And I've gotten more and more aware of it over the years and um, starting to look through my um, – I had an uncle that passed away recently, and uh, <clears throat> he had never uh, moved out of my grandfather's house. So my grandfather's bedroom was pretty much intact uh, from when he died over 30 years ago. And as I was going through his stuff um, – just so I can have a few personal mementos, like some of his old record albums and and some personal items to, to hang on to, because I miss my grandfather dearly. Um, <clears throat> that uh, I come across a whole batch of family photos that was just like a treasure trove, and some of these photos were going all the way back to like 1870 something, and I was like, holy shit! So there's a whole another branch of my family from Germany that I didn't know that we had. And interestingly enough, some of the photos are of my grandfather. One was when he was four months old. One when he was about seven months old. And I showed my other uncle. I was like, wow, look at this. And he looked at us and says, oh, yeah, that's dad. He said, look at the eyes. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, that is definitely grandpa. So here I got a, in my hand uh, a photo of my grandfather from almost a century ago. And it looked like it was made yesterday. And, and I swear the gods must have a sense of humor. Because as I was getting ready to leave the bedroom, there was a three stack of plastic uh, laundry bins together and with a box in it. And somehow this thing just fell over on its own in front of me. And I saw all the shit pour out. And all of a sudden I realized there are photos. And it's like, you know, my uncle did die in the house. I doubt he probably was saying, hey, grab this. 
you never know. But uh, uh, I had all these photos, dude, and I was just sitting there just absolutely amazed. And I was like, wow. And I was just, I eventually sat down with my mother and, and showed them to her. And she, some of the stuff she remembers, but other stuff she didn't know anything about. So we got a whole nother line of our family lineage uh, that I, I'm tracing down now because I'm trying to find out where it exactly in Deutschland that most of my family comes from on my mother's side because my father's side also has a lot of German heritage too. So I'm trying to get both of them and eventually I want to make the pilgrimage before it's too late. Yeah, well, there are many, many in America. Uh, there's some German soldiers over there in one of your wars over there. I'm not sure which war it was. Uh, who were brought in as mercenaries and liked the place decided to stay a lot of them and they helped build America so you know they were they were conned into this war as well by the uh, because I tell you about the propaganda must have been in America uh, against the Nazis was was a Joe Lewis fight when you got a, a racist America at that time who, who preferred to go for a, a black Joe Louis against a white German mm-hmm you know, the propaganda was, was, by the time the war came around, the propaganda was well, well and truly seeped in, even though they didn't want to go to war until the Pearl Harbor incident. Was that the fight with against him and Max Schnelling? Yeah. And then actually, yeah. Joe Lewis was like completely bankrupt, and then when he died, Schnelling actually paid for his funeral, correct? Yeah, correct, yeah, yeah. But, but the whole... Uh, system around that fight, you know, uh, there were the horns being pipped outside his, his bedroom at night, he, he weren't allowed his, his managers in, in his corner, a lot of things went on behind the scenes in that fight, Wow. and Lewis won it first round for enough, but there was an intensity in that crowd of hatred, so much against this one white German, against Joe Louis, who was a, who was a black, and let's be honest, in them days, you know, people called black sneakers. Right. Well, you know, I, I've met people over the years. Uh, There's one lady I knew, um, haven't talked in a while, but her parents lived right down the street from her. And her father was a retired Cincinnati police officer. And her mother had never worked. She was always a, a housewife. And, um, <clears throat> and and you could tell they were just of that of that time period, of that ilk. And um, she referred to black folks as niggers. And she never said it with venomous she never said it with nastiness. It's just, there's just what you call them. She's like, well, we, we used to have niggers that would come over here and stuff like that. And, you know, it's like, she says it so nonchalant. And I was like, wow, it was so refreshing to hear an older generation lady like this um, not have any type of stance, but she's just a normal Midwestern housewife. And I was just like, how refreshing it was to experience that. And that's why I really, I, I encourage our youth, if you listen to this program, yeah, if there's an old lady down the street, there's an old lady you work with or something, get to know them. Because I tell you what, I, I worked with a lady about 10 years ago. It seemed at first a bit cantankerous. And everyone really got on her guff, man. Like, man, I really hate this chick, you know. But really, I started to talk to her. And actually, I really liked her. And I actually ended up moving into an apartment right up the street from her. And I couldn't find my uh, set of can opener. Uh, I couldn't find my can opener for my uh, my tens. So I went down the street, knocked on the door, says, can I borrow your can opener, please? And she's like, yeah. So we actually became pretty good buddies after a while. And actually, now she's a, she's a dummy crat, you know, and we don't talk politics because I know how she thinks. But I still go over and check on her periodically to make sure she's doing okay because she's starting to get a lot more frail and stuff. She lives alone. And uh, 
it, she's just one of those people I actually enjoy talking to. And so, uh, well, yeah, well, I think you really need to take, take a, um, interact with as many old people as possible because many of them are set in their ways for a reason. Um, yeah. maybe it's valid reasons. You know, it's like when, when I was last on Ken, Ken Givenden's, um, YouTube program about four or five years ago before YouTube uh, shit canned him. He goes, you know, Sonny, I've talked to a lot of different white nationalists and, and pro national groups and, and this, that, and yellow, blah, blah, blah. And I've seen them kind of wave, go kind of, you know, vacillate in their stance. But you know what? You, you, you never change. You're consistent. Why is that? I said, well, I'll be honest, quite honest. I said, I can't say that my folks are responsible for this because there's many things that my folks and I definitely disagree on. Um, but, uh, there's some basic stuff I learned growing up and none of that, but once I got, um, comfortable and set in those ways, I wasn't changing for nobody because, uh, I felt that I earned those positions and I've seen things change so much since the early nineties that I'm just sitting there scratching my head going, what the fuck, you know I mean? Like, why is this even acceptable anymore? I mean, it's gotten so bad that to the point where if you're white in any way, shape or form, you must automatically be the fall guy. I mean, that's the thing I'm noticing the most is that it really pisses me off. Well, what it, what it really boils down to now is all, all the white people now in all these white, inverted commas, countries, we're all Nazis now. Oh, yeah. Well, if that's the case, then <laughs> if that's what you want to paint me, paint me black. I mean, come on, man. Put me in an SS uniform. Fuck yeah. I just hope I, 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 uh, I live up to that fucking... Because they had a very high standard, dude. To be an SS, you had to be the top of the top, you know. And then there's the the what's it the the what's the 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 Hitler? What what was the name of the actual SS uh, bodyguards that actually protected Hitler? Stuffenberg or something in German. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah. that was basically his Praetorian guard, man. You you had to be the ultimate to be uh, up in that category. <laughs> Well, they fought outside Moscow when, when, when the, uh, uh, the push came back from, from, from the Russians, when they brought in the, uh, the soldiers from the east, when they found out Japan weren't going to attack. So they brought all these soldiers back up, uh, you know, in, in, into Moscow and put the, the great push forward and, and Hitler's own regiment to the man. I mean, something like four or five hundred of them to start with. Maybe only 33 were left again. Hmm. They never got past him. Wow. Never, never, got, never got past him. Well, now that, but you get, you get to think of all the things they had to destroy. I was just sitting thinking the other day, all the beautiful bridges that that connected Deutschland to the other lands and shit, and they had to destroy them. Um, you know, because you look at that, some beautiful architecture. I mean, not, not just engineerically sound, but just gorgeous bridges. And you're like, wow, dude, you had to destroy that shit to keep the enemy out. I mean, that, that's, that's the bitter pill about it, you know? You see these YouTube videos where he says uh, the reason why Germany lost the war. The reason why Germany lost the war, the bottom line was the fact that they couldn't lose as many men as the others. The Soviets, the Soviets would lose millions, and they were still coming. Oh yeah. Oh, when you got when you got a, a direct order from Stalin that basically says you go forward, or you're going to have a bullet in your back. You know, I think it's pretty good incentive. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to play this clip by uh, Laura Logan that I mentioned to you. And it's about two and a half minutes long, I think. 
And I think a lot of stuff she points out in this is really spot on. And I want to get your take on this. And I think some of it you've already mentioned in your commentaries, but I want to hear your take after you hear this. Where we either have to hate Vladimir Putin and believe everything evil that's said about him and love Ukraine, and there's no in between. And that reminds me a lot of you're either a white supremacist or you. White supremacy. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage, and I'm white. I mean, there's as much right. interference here as you could possibly imagine. Before right. hey, we Laura. even get to Hunter Biden, Nancy Pelosi, John Kerry, mm -hmm. Mitt Romney, and all of their children who earn millions from Ukrainian gas companies. These days, it's hard to believe anything because they've lied about COVID, they lied about Russia collusion, they lied about the Ukraine impeachment trial, and there's so much more going on in Ukraine that nobody is talking about. Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, my job as a journalist is to try to understand what is the truth here. I don't like being lied to. And we're being lied to on an epic scale. When we're told your only choice is you have to be 100% with Zelensky. Slava Ukraine, who's a puppet who you can find on the internet in black stilettos and leather pants. Zelensky was selected like so many of our leaders. And honestly, with big tech and with election fraud these days, we don't know how many leaders all around the world have been yeah. selected for us and weren't actually voted in. How to build back better. We have to build back better. Build back better. Donald Trump gets the Republican nomination. There are many of us that will move heaven and earth to ensure he doesn't win. We are fighting the same battles all over the world. To pretend that this war is about Russia and Ukraine is a barefaced lie. Yeah. Putin has been warning for 15 years that he is not going to stand by while the globalists take over the world, build bioweapons facilities and whatever else they're doing in Ukraine. Ukraine has been a center of money laundering for many of the leaders in this country. Billions of U.S. dollars have been laundered through Ukraine, and we say nothing about it. Just nobody question these things. We have an well, idiot uh, like Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. Mr. Vindman, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, please. Do you always insist on civilians calling you by your rank? And sits there as a lieutenant colonel. He didn't even make colonel. And he's telling the president of the United States what his policy should be. You have a traitor in the form of Maria Yovanovitch, who was Obama's ambassador, who's telling Ukrainian government officials, don't listen to the will of the American people. In his July 25th phone call with Ukrainian President Zelensky, the president badmouthed Yovanovitch, calling her bad news. I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. And then she's given a cushy job for life at Georgetown University. And we're told that the president of the United States cannot say to his foreign counterparts that we want you to look into something. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. And they put in place someone who was solid. So much hypocrisy and dishonesty here, and Ukraine is at the center of it all. That's a pretty powerful uh, clip by Laura Logan that was put together. And uh, I have a lot of respect for her, and she's gone through a lot of shit on her own right. And um, she's one of the real true investigative journalists out there. I mean, the, the, the epitome, uh, if they're going to have a, a modern-day depiction of what a journalist is, Laura Logan should be a, that face. Uh, at least she's attractive. You know, so definitely, it's, it's definitely not Woodward and Bernstein, who were both Jews trying to take down Nixon. But um, uh, I, I think news media in this country is so compromised anymore that even Fox News won't even talk about 2,000 mules in any way, shape, or form, which tells you everything you know. So it reaffirms the left in that documentary talk about faux news. That's exactly what Fox News has become. And some of the other ones I've seen um, have been manipulated as well. So you get some independent ones like InfoWars with Alex Jones. 
he has reputable guests come on. He, a lot of the money he gets, he invests in his people, he invests in his studio. He doesn't have a lot of opulence. Um, you know, he really is trying to make a legitimate news agency. And some of the people he's hired have been very good uh, people on himself. Like I'm a big fan of David Knight. But that being said, though, um, he's got this obsession that anything authoritarian has to be Hitlerian. And it's like, dude, it's pretty fucking obvious. You not, have not watched the greatest story never told. Because if you did, you, you start changing your tune and start saying it should be Stalinistic or it should be Maoist or Pol Pot instead of everything has to be Hitler. I mean, you, you've fallen into the same category of brainwashing that everyone else has, that Hitler is always has to be the perpetual bad guy, you know? Well, I think, again, if it's right wing, left wing, too, uh, which we started to support, and Alex Jones, big Trump follower, or was, as far as I know, uh, you know, I, I believe Israel has, has backed him at times financially, uh, but he is, as I said, on the right of things. He doesn't like communism. Always likes, like you said, the Nazis. Uh, so, and I honestly believe that is the problem today. It's, it's a battle between the left and the right, and it doesn't matter who wins. Because whoever wins will be a, a domination from Israel. Right, and and that's the thing too. I'm very anti-Israel, and I and I really it, 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 what first thing that pissed me off about Trump is when he made a big stink about moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Right. And I was like, dude, right. why don't you just take the whole damn embassy out of Israel altogether? That solves a lot of fucking problems. You want to be America first. They do the first thing Americans should do. Get the fuck out of some of these countries. I mean, we don't have no business being there. I mean, we're still Germany's still in occupation, as far as I'm concerned. When you look at Southerners here, they still view uh, um, the South as being under Northern occupation. That they see it as the war of Northern aggression. And, and I think that's an appropriate term because the fact that when you see what we did to the Southerners, I mean... From from a cousin of mine, I found that I have lineage to William Tecumseh Sherman. Would would actually surprise Sherman that a descendant of his family is actually pro-Confederate. Because I understand why the South seceded in the first place. Because the fact that there's all about state sovereignty. And that's like I said on the TPC last night. I said, you know, I'm one of those people that, that believes. And you look at the term United States, I see united in lowercase and states in bold uppercase. That's my view because the fact that we we gave some of our power as states to the federal government through the Constitution say this is what your duties are and the Bill of Rights are negative losses. This is what you cannot do. And whatever we missed is in the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. So it's, it's, it's plain and simple. The fact that we allowed our government to do the things that they do. And that's one of the things I really, when it comes to historical shit, um, you know, the, the, the fact that Roosevelt got away with the Lynn Lease Act. He should have been impeached over that shit. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you've even got the flag bomb there as well, haven't they, the serve. Yeah, I mean, the whole Lynn Lease Act was completely, actually violated many international laws. And the fact that uh, it, it, we're, it's the same damn thing we're doing now. All this money, you know, someone said, oh, Rand Paul brought up the fact, dude, we're going to have $40 billion to fucking Ukraine, but it only takes $4 billion to finish the wall. Exactly. I mean, there's a conflict of interest here. Same with the UK. Same with the UK. Um, Johnson's sending over billions over to the Ukraine while over here people are suffering. They can't even, can't even pay the bills because of the rising prices. 
Well, you know what I you know what I say. You know, especially when uh, Scotland was fighting for independence, they, maybe they should advocate the rebuild Hadrian's Wall, eh? Well, I don't particularly agree with the Scottish National Party. I don't think they are the nationalists to say they are. No, they're they, they, they believe in joining up with the EU again, which is as communist as it comes. And the leader of the SNP was just a power man driven, you know, lockdown. We'll lock down more than the UK just for the sake of it. Yeah, I, I said that too. I actually wrote a, I wrote an article several years ago. Um, I said the Scotland puts the cart before the horse before independence, and um, one of the things points and I, I sent I kind of sent over to various things, and, and the guy says, "Well, you, you guys over there over the pond should mind your own business because you don't know what's going on here." I said, "That's bullshit, dude. I'm on the outside looking in. I can see it clear as day." And I said, "Now I like to see if the Scottish National Party can't be pro Scotland entirely." I said, "Why would you slip off?" The, the yoke of Westminster, they I said that correctly, Westminster, and slip on the chains of Brussels. At least in Westminster, you have a you're on the same freaking uh, geographic plane, and you have a common history. At least you guys can at least um, debate stuff. But if you go and slip on the chains of Brussels, then that's what you're getting is absolute servitude, and they will drain Scotland dry. People don't vote for the people in the EU. They're there for life. Oh, wow. Which is why, that's why Brexit happens. People realise that all the laws in Britain were being changed uh, for these EU laws, and you can't get rid of them because they're, they're, they're elected for life. So that was a big shock to the establishment because they didn't realise uh, just what you know a lot of the British people thought of the EU, especially after they saw the... Uh, uh, enough calorie plans fall into place. Oh, yeah. And, and you've had some guys from, uh, you know, just to think how much the BNP has been chastised. I mean, there's a lot of uh, political parties that were really starting to raise some stuff. Um, but and again, now in the Nordic countries, I really like what Nordic resistance movement is doing. They are NS-based, but they've modernized it. And um, boy, I tell you, some of the visual imagery, when they go on their, on their uh, displays, it really makes you go, wow, why can't we have something like that here? I mean, when you see them flying the tear runes and, um, you know, white shirts, green ties, uh, really making an impression. I mean, it harks back to the glory days of Germany as well as even, uh, you know, fascist Italy. Uh, and, and, and some of these guys are actually getting into some of their elected bodies, you know, slowly but surely. But and the same with um, Golden Dawn, what they're doing there in Greece, you know, I mean, there's many of these groups. Like I said, the the one group I think it was um, was it uh, National Front? No, not the one in France. There's one in Spain. The one I mentioned that that Isabel gal, she's really been one of the main faces of the new youth movement that's really rising up and being pro Spain. And um, I, I we need more people like that. I think the biggest thing is is that. The Jews have, have controlled so much of our financial apparatchik that they make it impossible for someone to step up, at least to even have a to be heard for a valid argument, and have their livelihood yanked out from under them. Because I, I've said before, 9/11 was our Reichstag fire because everything has changed in 20 years. I mean, by the mid 2000s, we were forced to have direct deposit into our bank accounts, so that way the government yeah. could track everything you do. Um, all this shit. I mean, it's just. It's just amazing. When I watched it, 2,000 Mules, it just reconfirmed how easy it is to track you through your damn cell phone. Yeah, that's what I'm 
that's fine. They don't need a chip. You can check it through your phone. But just going back to uh, back to, to what the lady was saying about uh, looking for proof that, that you know that the, the, the globalists have conquered the world, so to speak. That proof came in with the lockdowns of the virus, because simultaneous countries automatically all at the same time all shut down, which was a phenomenal piece of work, really, because that that meant all governments had to be in, uh, in league with each other. Well, uh, Jones had mentioned that in his in-game documentary, that they had to use some sort of bioweapon to um, enforce the, the beginning of world government. He put that out in 2007, and he had been espousing that for for over a decade. So it's pretty freaking obvious that that was their, their base plan. And and again, we, they, when they try to sell you conspiracy theories, this, that, and the other, well, criminals like to brag, Dennis. They put out white papers. They put out books. You all you got to do is read Zebnu Brzezinski, and you got a pretty yeah. damn good shadow of what they're going to do. Even that Schwab Klaus, whatever he's called, he he he's got a book called The Great Reset. It's all there. Yeah, they put it right in your face. Criminals like to brag. Yep. So that being said, so so and and, and so it's kind of winding this down a little bit. So. I know you wouldn't probably say you're pro-Putin or anti-Putin, but you definitely understand why Putin is doing what he's doing. Um, I think if anybody put missiles, nuclear missiles on, on the borders of my I don't think anybody would be happy with that. And that's what NATO have been doing. Uh, they've hated Putin since Syria, to be honest, when uh, Obama was trying to get into the war. It didn't come off. And, and Putin more or less wiped out ISIS. You know, and I and I said that too. I said, "How's this any different than the Cuban Missile Crisis in '62?" I mean, would Kennedy have acted any differently? Yeah. Hell no. Exactly. So, you know, one can't blame Putin for thinking like that, but I can't help thinking it's a left-right battle for uh, supremacy of the world eventually. So, that being said. Um, You've, you've, they always say a great project should come in threes. I mean, obviously a trilogy not only is a great, um, marketing thing, <laughs> but also answers a lot of stuff, whether it's the Lord of the Rings or whatever, uh, the original Star Wars, you know, it's good to have a trilogy that way it kind of fills in a lot of the blanks and, and really tells a story. Um, so that being said, and with the fact that I can honestly brag and tell you, like I said before, you can now put as seen on TV on Greatest Story Never Told because I've aired it on cable access in all of Southwest Ohio, not once but twice in its entirety. Oh, which, uh, thank you. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fabulous. So, and I know other people have uh, put other pieces of your stuff out there as well. I think someone was putting out communism by the back door, and of course now the Hellstorm is a very powerful uh, bookend to the Greatest Story Never Told when you talk about the aftermath of. World War II and what they did to the Germans. Um, very powerful film. I mean, wow, dude. I mean, like I said, if you really want to know what happened during and after the war, between you and Kyle Hunt, you guys have really nailed it on the head uh, visually of uh, what the hell happened. And then, of course, with your other two films that really says, okay, and this is what was implemented after the war, which is communism.
silently moved through all the all the governments. Uh, I also went to the occult. People criticised me at first on, on that, uh, but even going deeper and the secret Masonic mixture with the building of the Pentagon. And few people realise that the Pentagon is 25 times the size of Stonehenge, and it was built for a reason by Roosevelt, who was a 32 degree Mason, I believe, uh, and it was in defence of the realm, uh, a, a ritual which goes all the way back to the Stonehenge. Uh, he insisted on that being built in a precise position, as is the rest of Washington. It's all laid down as Masonic, all the, all the ley lines, and uh, it goes into explain all that and why the Roosevelt insisted on the, on the uh, uh, Pentagon being built even before Japan were even a threat to Pearl Harbor. Were, he knew he was going into war. Well, not only that, but it, it also what he did to the back of the money, too, on the US dollar. Putting all that, the, the, the uh, triangle, yeah, the pyramid and, and the rest of it all falls into place. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really makes sense. And of course, then Eisenhower, who also was, was a Jew, um, changed the yep. presidential uh, eagle so basically that the olive branch would be in the um, right talon instead of the left talon, and then the arrows would be in the opposite talons because people read left to right, so they want to see peace before war. Right. Which is interesting because the fact that once he got in there, I mean, when you really cover Eisenhower's death camps, I mean, that should have prevented him from ever running for the presidency, but then that would be a great marketing scheme, too. Hey, look what he did to the Germans after the war. So, I mean, yeah, what what a spose. But that being said, even he was flabbergasted by the, the constant barrage by the military-industrial complex to keep building up the armaments. So I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to see the conversations that him and Kennedy had because Kennedy, I actually talked to him several times um, after the fact because he's trying to figure shit out. And, and and Kennedy was controlled opposition at first, but I think once he got in there, I think two things happened. I think with his brother being attorney general was definitely an asset to him. But secondly, I think uh, I think once he really started to see what was going on there, I think as as a former naval uh, you know seaman himself, I think he took his oath to the Constitution seriously. And he was injured because of it. And so he felt that he has to get back to it. And I think as president, I think uh, he, he really felt that he had a duty. And to be quite honest, I don't think we've had a duty-bound president since Kennedy. Probably not. No. Except for Bush, uh, Bush Jr., who, who served in the Air Force, uh, National Guard. I don't think any – well, Bush Sr. did. He was actually – wasn't he a, wasn't he a pilot? Yeah, 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 but he was a he was a bomber pilot, if I remember correctly. But Reagan couldn't serve because of his vision. Um, Clinton obviously never served, and well, a lot of them don't serve because the parents are elite, so they were never going to send them. They'll send our sons to war, but they won't send their own. Right, but at least Trump had actually gone to a military academy, so at least he understood and respected the military uh, composition. So I, I give him credit for that, but I, I did. Didn't he find some way to defer out? Maybe is that why he went to Wharton Business College? Is that way he avoid getting the draft? It could well be, but what, what really, what, what really 
puzzles me is the fact this is the Vietnam War. Because here you have the most powerful nation in the world, what dropped every possible chemical onto Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And yet, Lost. the Viet Cong kick, kicked them out and they never dropped the bomb. Now, you tell me why the most powerful country in the world with the A-bomb did not drop the A-bomb after they done dropped all the other chemical bombs. It doesn't make sense. Well, same with that, uh, with... with uh... Uh, Truman stopping MacArthur from bombing North Korea because they then if they start making that as a as a standard operating procedure on their table, that's going to be a losing proposition right off the bat. You know, because right about then, uh, let's see, not too long after that is when the uh, the 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 two Jew traders got caught um, selling the, the bomb secrets to the Russians. The yeah, yeah. Alger Hiss and his wife. Yes. Yeah, in Rosenberg's, yeah. So, I mean, they basically uh, did that. But, you know, that's another too, in your in your secret Masonic victories, you talk about, uh, you know, some of the Jews that were major subordinates in there, and if, like uh, Rosa Luxemburg. I mean, like I said, um, I actually want to look up that film and watch it myself because I think that would actually be interesting to view. And I really appreciate the fact that you got some of the stuff in there to show that. And, of course, as a as a big fuck you, they got a whole damn street named after her, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's right, yeah. Well, that, that's always going to happen in a communist country, isn't it? They're always going to put these people up on a pedestal. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. All right, Dennis, well, um, I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, looking forward to talking to you again, my friend. Pleasure, yeah. You, you look after yourself. All right, have a good day, sir. Okay. Salon ma. Okay, so that was... Uh, Dennis Wise, and uh, so we covered a lot of the background of uh, him, encompassing a lot of his films, as well as um, some of his general commentary. Like I said, Harold Ziegler talked about the Putin invading Ukraine is very similar to the same reasons why Hitler invaded Poland um, to stop the genocide of uh, ethnic peoples. And so I think it's very powerful to look at history and make sure you state it so you can see things as they happen again. So, but that concludes this episode of the Sunny Thomas Show. And I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in because I always enjoy uh, talking to Dennis. And I'm a big fan of his works. And they should be standard uh, viewing um, for just for general education purposes because you'll really understand it as it is. So make sure you check us out on various social media. We're on Gab, Twitter, Parler, Telegram, Wimkin, and Getter. And so you can find us there uh, under Sunny Thomas Show and many of those under Resolution RDO. So watch them up. Listen to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. 
By now, you know that wireless technology like cell phones do, in fact, pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality, American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Boar's Head is bringing a slice of Japan to the deli. Introducing Boar's Head Ichiban Teriyaki-style chicken. Tender, slow-roasted chicken breast, coated in our signature teriyaki glaze, where ginger, garlic, and a hint of brown sugar meet for a flavor that's both sweet and savory. New Boar's Head Ichiban Teriyaki-style chicken. The bold flavor of Japan, now at the deli. Only from Boar's Head. Compromise elsewhere.